The Lord bless you and keep you. I'm here as a seeker. And I'm not behind the pulpit because I don't have an answer. But I heard that the spirit hangs around here. And y'all even believe in magic. And so I, I came to return the favor. Have a seat. Bishop Blake came to me as a student some 55 years ago, and we sat on the floor, and my wife, Jean, cooked a big pot of spaghetti and meatballs, <laughs> and we talked about what God was doing in Birmingham, in Selma, and St. Augustine. And I'm here now because I'm trying to figure out what God is doing now. What, what in the world is God doing and what is he calling us to do? Now, I kind of believe that coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. And when you see things happening that kind of don't belong together but all of a sudden begin to make sense of your life, you kind of need to see that the hand of God is at work in our midst. And so when I bumped into Brother Charles Stith down in South Africa, when I didn't want to be there, but it was the 168th anniversary of a little missionary college called Adams College, and they asked me to come. And that was where Nelson Mandela and Albert Latuli and the founders of the African National Congress had studied as students years and years ago. And so I went and I bumped into Brother Stiff. And he didn't know I was going to be there. I didn't know he was going to be there. But he said, I want to help you with what you're trying to do and carrying on your ministry. Now, I'm carrying it on, but I'm not sure what it is. But um, about 10 years ago, they asked me, did I have a bucket list? And that was not, that was right about the time of Katrina. And I grew up in New Orleans on the Mississippi. And I used to watch the CCC camps along the Mississippi building those levees. And then I watched those levees washed away by Katrina. And suddenly it hit me that um, this didn't need to be. That rivers are places of blessing. The entire civilization of humanity began along the Nile Valley. And people worshiped the Nile and they, they understood that, that God rained down his favors and more food grew along the valley of the Nile than anywhere else on the planet. And so the river is supposed to be kind of sacred in our traditions. And I watched them neglect the river. I'm now 85, almost 86. And um, it, it was 80 years ago when they put those levees up. 
and they haven't done much since. And every now and then they flood. Well, there's also a place that um, they don't have many jobs. And St. Louis is lagging. And Memphis and the Mississippi Delta is still crowded with our people that still produce more food and grow more calories than any place else in the world. But they don't get to eat them themselves and they don't get the benefits of their labor. And I wondered what we should be doing about that Mississippi River. Now when the Lord sent me to Atlanta, I didn't want to go. <laughs> I did not want to be a part of Martin Luther King and all these rabble-raising Baptist preachers. <laughs> and I was trying to find a way to help without getting in the mix and getting beat up with everybody else. <laughs> but lo and behold, I married a little country girl from down there in Alabama and um, she said we got to go home. And I ended up in an office right across the hall from Martin Luther King. And the very thing that I was trying to avoid, I was right there in the briar patch. And I haven't been able to escape since. And, uh, but about 50 years ago, he went on to glory and left us here in hell. And I was mad. Don't go to heaven without me. What you leave me here for? And I've been trying to figure that out, and I've been led a long bunch of ways, you know, to the Congress and to the United Nations, and uh, then end up in Atlanta, uh, a city too busy to hate, that um, was trying to do the right thing, but didn't know how. Because there wasn't any money in Washington, and there wasn't uh, any money coming to us out of the state capitol. Uh, but because I'd been at the United Nations, I knew there was plenty of money in the world. There was oil money that people didn't know what to do with, so they were putting it in Swiss banks. And they were sending it to Japan. They were hiding it all over the world because People only want to invest their money where it's safe. Colin Powell said, capital is cowardly. It only wants to go where it's safe. Where is there any place safer than the Mississippi River in the heart of the United States of America? And so if capital is looking for a safe place to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, heal the sick, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Why not along the Mississippi? I grew up on Old Man Ribbon. I've been singing that, wishing I could sing like that, for, like, like Paul Warfield and, and uh, uh, Robeson, uh, Paul Robeson, and uh, my voice just did drop that way. But my mind keeps thinking about that river. And I sort of feel like Noah. But I didn't want to take a text from Noah because uh, I'm not sure where we are. But this I know, 
that Langston Hughes said, I've seen rivers. And we've had around that river some of the greatest music, there's some of the greatest universities, some of the greatest scholars, some of the greatest businesses have grown up along that river. And maybe the answer to America's problems is along that river. Now, when Charles Stith told me he wanted me to come out here, he said, Bishop wants to talk to you about what we're going to do on April the 3rd. That was the day that 50 years ago our brother left us. But you know, he hadn't gone anywhere. He keeps worrying me all the time. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that all the things that have happened to me have not happened because I'm smart or because I sit down and study and think things up. They hit me. You know, and every now and then, and, and, and I, I, I feel the spirit moving and, and something happens. And excuse me, but I said, damn. What is he trying to make me do now? And then I had a wonderful wife of 40 years, and she left me. And she's up there. And so I'm getting messages from glory. And we say, but sometimes we don't really believe it, that Jesus rose. He rose, but he didn't go far. He is still with us, and that's what the presence of the Holy Spirit means. And so the Holy Spirit is working with us in all of these incidental things that are happening in our lives. And when the bishop told me that the Church of God in Christ was developing a ministry, an urban ministry, to kind of save the soul of America, that's what Dr. King was doing, redeeming the soul of America spiritually, I'm talking about the spiritual redemption of America has got to find some jobs in Ferguson or create some jobs in Ferguson. Well, if we can take some of this money that's doing nothing around the world and bring it to the Mississippi Valley, um, we could redeem the economy of the 20th first century. We can feed the hungry. We can feed the clothe the naked. We can heal the sick. We can bring the universities. We can bring the engineers. We can bring the churches. And the churches are leading this. And the Lord has put it on the heart of Bishop Blake to help carry on the work of Martin Luther King by redeeming the soul of America, not just spiritually, but educationally, health-wise, nutrition, uh, ending the time in prison and setting at liberty those who are oppressed all up and down that valley. And I think that uh, maybe that's where Lord is pushing us. Now, I've been all over the world here lately since I saw Brother Stith because it's the 50th anniversary of Dr. King's death.
So in Korea, they wanted to celebrate Martin Luther King's life and asked me to speak at a university in Seoul. I go to the university and they give me an honorary degree. Not that I needed it, uh, but um, I found out while I'm there, I had to speak to a group of clergy, mostly Presbyterians, mostly from Koreans from North and South Korea. And it was a Korean unification meeting. And I find out that um, this school, Shungshul University, that is giving me a degree, is the place where the founder of North Korea went to school <laughs> and got his degree from a Presbyterian church school. And that Billy Graham, nobody ever called him a communist. He's been over there with the church. And I talked to his assistant, Reverend Holly. I said, are you still ministering to North Korea? He said, I've been there 11 times. Well, Dennis Rodman went there, checked it out. <laughs> And then I talk with the pastors and the Christians there, and they don't seem to be worried about any war. I don't know why. They got three Trump Towers in Seoul. And you can get up in the top of one of those Trump Towers, and you can see over to North Korea. So if they want to fight, they don't need to come over here. But they're close enough to know that you can't fight and win. Anybody that fights that close is going to get really hurt and probably won't ever be able to survive in any way. So folk over there are cool about war. And we're all kind of heated up because all we hear all day long is bad news. And the news says if it bleeds, it leads. And we kind of have the so-called bully pulpit filled by a bully. But you don't need to be trying to bully folk. You know, um, I was at the UN with Jimmy Carter when he was president, and he used that pulpit to make sure there was no war, that we study war no more. Because in addition to being a peanut farmer, he was a nuclear physicist, and he knew what war would do. So for those four years that he was president, we didn't kill anybody, and we didn't get a single American soldier killed. And that's because he was a Sunday school teacher as well as a peanut farmer. And he was a nuclear physicist as well as a man of God. And so it was possible for us to reach out to all the world and figure out a way to get along. And that's how Southern Africa got liberated and nobody got killed. And we didn't, they'd send me around the world with no guns. 
and I, I didn't even have any security. I was more home in Africa walking down the street than I was maybe around here. <laughs> and, and so for a long, long time, the Spirit of God has been moving all over the world trying to make peace on earth and goodwill to men, women, and children. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of forgiveness. It, <laughs> Sister Coretta, Martin's wife, grew up in Perry County where my wife grew up. Same town, went to the same high school. Juanita Abernathy was from that same county too. Martin and Ralph and I didn't know each other. But they knew each other. And we, how we end up hooked up with them? Well, I didn't know, but when Coretta was 15, and it's, it's in her book, which is very much like Cookie's book. My life, my love, my legacy, Coretta Scott King. And the first story in there was something I didn't know. That at 15, she and her sister came home from choir practice one evening. And um, their house had been burned down, flat to the ground. And her daddy, who was a sharecropper and uh, a brilliant man with no formal education to speak of, but who was filled with the spirit, made them get down on their knees. And he made them thank God first that they were not in the house. He accentuated the positive. And then he started dealing with the negative. And he said, he asked God to forgive the sick people who burned their house down. My Lord. A black sharecropper in Perry County, Alabama, raising his daughters to forgive those who had burned their house down. And after praying for those who burned their house down and asked God to forgive them, he prayed to Coretta and her sister and brother that they would have the spiritual strength not to haggle with this heavy burden on their spirit, that they would turn it over to the Lord and they too would learn to forgive. Now that's the power of salvation. That's what Jesus died for, that while we are yet sinners, not, not because we're good, not because we deserve it, but because just as we are without one plea, he didn't care. He said, I shed my blood for you. And, and so we come together in the name of Jesus, looking down the Mississippi River, wondering what God wants us to do. There was also another place that they gave Martin a degree in England. It was a little town way up north near Scotland called Newcastle. Well, everybody that wants to celebrate Dr. King wants me to come. And so I go up there and they give me another degree. And I wonder, what am I doing up here? Uh, and um, 
I found out that that school had a fundraiser for Frederick Douglass and the abolitionist movement in 1790. So for a long time, the spirit has been moving around this world, setting God's people free and bringing peace on earth and goodwill to men, women, and children. And so I don't know about you, but I'm going to keep following Jesus. And that's why I'm here at West Angeles. I'm here at West Angeles because I met this young man sitting on the floor eating spaghetti and meatballs. And who would have thought that he would have been the bishop of the Pentecostal churches of the United States of America and with missions all over the world and Africa and that you, sinners that you are, would be here worshiping with him every Sunday, building up his spirit, strengthening him for whatever God calls him to do and that he would have an angel, an angel like Lady May, holding his hand and, 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 and putting a head on his shoulder and telling him it's gonna be all right, baby. I know them folk they ain't right. I know they ain't doing you right, but don't worry. God has given you an angel. And you just, just, just put your head on my shoulder a little bit. And you don't, Ain't no, you think you ain't supposed to cry because you're a man. But if you got to cry and you got to shed a tear, just shed that tear with me. Because it's going to be all right. I don't know what God has in store for us. But I know God holds the future. And it's going to be all right. Now, down in Georgia, we used to sing a... I don't know whether y'all know that out here anymore. I got a feeling everything's gonna be all right. Help me, choir. I 